Track, and you're listening to Molly Huddle, Alicia Montano, and Roisin McGettigan-Dumas. We want to highlight the important topics, inspiring stories, and amazing women in sport. We're three Olympians from two countries, two moms, and one current pro coming together to talk about issues we're passionate about in the sports world. And we care about the current and future landscape of women's sports. And this is just how we're keeping track. We talk to Anne Cavassa, a leader in the sportswear industry and current president at Saucony. We talk about how she started in the industry and what her journey has looked like, her experience as a woman in leadership, and what came with that, as well as talking about how participating in sports when she was younger informed her upward move through the business ranks. We talk about motherhood and the duties and feels as a woman and a leader in this space. Thanks for keeping track, and let's run for good. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 23 of Keeping Track. It's just me and Roisin for the catch-up here. Hey Ro, how's it going? Hi Molly, welcome back to Rhode Island. It's good to be recording in person Yay! for the first time in like eight months. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> um, all about the in real life experiences. IRL, we are here together, IRL. <laughs> One of these days you'll see Alicia, she lives 3,000 miles away, so... That would be great. Yeah, one of these years. That's our dream. Could be a couple of years, yeah. (laughs) Um, So we're going to just do, we have a few, uh, we have quite a few items in our catch-up today. Um, We should probably first start with the response from our last episode, Racing for Representation. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you have any kind of response on your end that you wanted to talk about? Um, I think we generally, positive, positive. And people are like, kind of really, the visual kind of really struck people that, yeah, there's a lot of um, homogenous looking people on the covers of specifically Runner's World um, and that that needs to change. Yeah, and it's not like a new topic, the representation topic. Um, We've heard about it for years in the beauty industry, entertainment industry and fashion industry, but I feel like it's definitely gotten a little overlooked in the running industry. Mm-hmm. So um, we're just sort of highlighting that as something that can help. And I just wanted to clarify one of the stats. I got a few questions, not too many, but I got a few questions. I thought it was worth clarifying in case anyone else had this question. Um, the 40% of the USA, that is B-I-P-O-C. We wanted to clarify that number um, that we mentioned in the podcast as including uh, on the U.S. Census white Hispanics um and so if you take out that 13 percent and include what in Canada they would call visible minorities it'd be more like 27 percent and this spurred um a really deep dive on Google as to who considers themselves white Mm -hmm. in America it's actually uh, a really complicated topic and not everyone fits into a neat box so um it actually sparked another research paper (laughs) so we look forward to those results yeah, it's a topic that, you know, any sociologist will talk about and say, yeah, this is always, there's always a limitation to putting people in boxes and how do we do that? Is it purely based on skin, visual, like skin color or other factors? And so um, we just want to kind of, if you guys are looking at different numbers to, you know, realize it's it's a really tricky thing for researchers to do. So 
you pay close attention, they should identify how they're how they're doing that. And our researchers did that, um, and they will con continue to discuss the limitations of doing that. Yes, and it also sparks another topic of when you're trying to um, sort of correct for a space that has been um, excluding a certain population for a long time, do you aim for the um, national average or do you overshoot that to try and make people feel more welcome? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's a whole other topic of discussion. I'd love to talk to a diversity inclusion expert on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it sparks, uh, it's, it's filled with complicated Issues. Yeah, yeah. It's like you we kind of look at one stat and then that opens up to well, what about you know how does that compare to medalists at the world championships or number of runners or compared to the average population or mm -hmm. you know all these different topics and then we looking at skin color but what about body size and and other factors so um yeah I think it's just one of those things that grows and grows and we want to we want to keep asking those questions yeah very happy to open up other conversations yeah, absolutely. very interesting um and speaking of the representation issue um how great were all the mock-ups of the runners worlds uh with all of the all of the fans and followers and people of color on them weren't those awesome it's brilliant it was so cool where i i'm sure you guys if you're on instagram you're seeing a lot of different runners world covers with a lot of diversity in We've there. been retweeting them on or reposting them on Keeping Tracks uh, Instagram if you want to go check it out. Yeah, we love that and we think that was the reaction that was brilliant and I want to give a shout out to the graphic designer who did that which is... Yes, that was Dewey Wynn. Um, he's Dine LA official on Instagram and it looks like he does some projects and runs with the Koreatown Track Club. So Dewey, those are awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so... Yeah, uh, hopefully Runners World will, you know, take some of, take some of those and make them into reality. So yes, they don't need to use their imagination; they're already done, and they look great. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <clears throat> um, and I just wanted to give a shout out to one of the many virtual races out there. Uh, one of our listeners, Karen Meadows sent in that there is a 5k um, called Say Their Name 5k. We'll add a link to our show notes. Uh, you can register for it at mm -hmm. runsignup.com and it's a 5k and mile actually and proceeds go to Equal Justice Initiative and the Embrace Race Foundation. So thanks Karen. Mm -hmm. Yeah what do you think of these virtual races Molly? You know they're tough for me to actually fit into my training if you want to do like an honest hard 5k because I never just run 5k really <laughs> um, but I've done quite a few I like to I like to support them mm -hmm, I'll buy mm -hmm. bibs and sometimes just upload parts of my run which aren't that impressive yeah yeah no it seems like you know they've you know filled the void as much as you know they can um, when these races are cancelled and I think it's great to see so many people raising so much money for charity and doing such a great job with that um, and keeping people motivated um, and I know a lot of people you know are I'll use the word grief because like clinically it, it is a type of grief but when people have um, you know set their, set their mind for goals and races and, and different things that they're going to do throughout the year and they're all kind of cancelled <laughs> and that there is a loss there and so I think these virtual races are providing some structure, providing some kind of points that people can really go after their goals still and find motivation to do that. And it seems like raise a lot of money. Yeah, 
I wanted to give two shout outs to some professional athletes who did some fundraising during this time with races. Um, another virtual race that Nikki Hiltz did, uh, the virtual Pride 5K, which Pride Month didn't get as much discussion mm-hmm. on our podcast the month of June as we were hoping. Um, so we're, we're definitely going to, well, we'd love to talk to Nikki um, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk to more athletes with that perspective. Mm-hmm. But she raised $35,000. That is amazing, first yeah, of all, <laughs> for the Trevor Project, uh, which focuses on suicide prevention in LGBTQ youth. So great job, Nikki. And then you have the boss ladies in Colorado, or the whole boss team, rather, um, that raised $30,000 for the Sachs Foundation, which um, raises money for college scholarships for um, people of color students from Colorado, state of Colorado. And they actually broke the Colorado state mile record. Um, Emma broke that, and Danny Jones behind her also broke it. Um, so pretty good job, ladies. Good job there up in Colorado, (laughs) as they say. Um, and then Gabe Grunwald's 5K was another virtual race this year? Yes. Um, it was, I think you had the whole month of June to do it. Um, they also have a, another virtual 5K in September. Um, but June 25th is uh, Gabe Grunwald Day. That was her birthday. And we want to kind of think of her. Uh, we missed that with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Alicia did the Brave Light Gabe 5K. Yeah. There's some drone footage of her on Instagram, actually, that her husband, Lou, took. So that's pretty cool. Good job, Alicia. Hard effort there. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and we just kind of want to remember Gabe a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, we noticed she had so many amazing quotes. She was a very inspiring writer and speaker. And mm-hmm. so I would like to pick my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, My favorite quote from Gabe is, when everything else seems to be going wrong and the outcomes are far beyond my control, I can find perspective and hope on the run, which I think we can all relate to that right now. Yeah, it seems like her words have kind of even grown with power over time. I mean, she was, I mean, you talk about seeing her doing public speaking and how she was like so good at that, like as equally good at that as she was at running and being a competitive athlete. Um, so she was always, yeah, she always had a lot to say. She was very profound in her speech and her quotes, um, and her words are just getting, gaining power, if that makes sense in my eyes. Um, And I think we'd love to do more of a feature on her story and her legacy. Um, you know, she's truly missed in the running community. Um, I mean, I just didn't know her that well, but when I watched her compete, she was always so fierce and so brave. And she really was, even when, when she had diagnosis, even when she had a massive scar down her abdomen, she would still show up and you're like, she could do some damage in this race. <laughs> um, and it's just amazing. Um, and I love the quote, it's okay to struggle, but it's not okay to give up on your dreams. Um, and that just, I mean, that just sums up what resilience is. Um, and that we should stay even if we're struggling with something stay in it and um, don't give up and and yeah embrace that and Gabe was amazing so yeah it seemed like resilience and hope were two themes in her life Um, Mm -hmm. and she um, you can don't we'll have links to donate to the Brave Like Gabe Foundation if you want to do that or if you want to register for their September event Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, truly her words, I feel like they had extra power and weight due to her situation in life. And so, um, definitely something we can all kind of relate to even now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then one more topic we want to like just hit on a little bit was the fact that, you know, um, there's so many athletes out there, NCAA athletes, not knowing like what their season, what's happening with their season, what's happening in their high school sports, college sports, professional sports. Um, and we definitely want to talk about that more as um, as time goes on and, and more things are cancelled and what a loss that is from so many athletes. And Molly, you can directly relate to that. That is your experience as a professional. Um, yeah, what, what would you say to your fellow athletes, maybe not professionals, but college athletes or high school athletes who are questioning, like, am I even going to have a season? Yeah, it's definitely tough. Like, we, I keep telling, I've Skyped and Zoomed with a few teams, and I'm like, you're, there's no rule book. You're the first to go mm-hmm. through this. You know, the mm-hmm. last pandemic was during a very different time <laughs> back in the early 1900s. So um, it's, it's hard, and um, we all know that, like, to keep training is kind of um, a coping strategy, <laughs> but it's hard to know with that moving target of races, you know, when do you do your hard phase of training? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've seen some people approach it from all different ways. Some people took a long break. Some people like the Bowerman women on the pro side, for example, are having inter-squad meets. Um, some of the mm-hmm. Hoka women are having inter-squad meets and, and the Bowerman, Bowerman women are so talented and men that they can, you know, run world-class times together. And it's just, it depends on what resources you have around you. So it's very, mm-hmm. um, like it depends on where you are, who you are, uh, what you're able to do. So it's frustrating. Um, but keep training, keep hope open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll feel better training than you will not training. Yeah. And what would you say, Molly, to people who maybe don't have the Bowerman set up with like an elite squad that basically is like going to an international competition? Um, you know, a lot of times we talk about how to dig deep and um, we need that kind of purpose to find that next gear, to find that, you know, that drive to really kind of break through. Um, and sometimes those are extrinsic rewards like medals or championship teams or NCAAs or times, etc. What What do you say when people are kind of don't have those external carrots to chase you know and they have to kind of go inward a little bit find it get more of an inner purpose how how would you is that something you've had to do is that something um you know you'd recommend for people to do just kind of you know bow down to the process or find their own passion in it find ways to keep it fun so I definitely um sympathize with how it's hard to dig if you don't have you know something really important coming up race wise I'm definitely a competitive person and motivated mm-hmm. by that, so it is really hard for me to dig and hurt myself on those workouts when I know you know it's gonna be a long time on the calendar before I can use that what the benefits of that mm-hmm. but I also think that's realistic you can't train extremely hard indefinitely, mm-hmm. and if you aren't gonna be racing for six months, you can't be crushing your training for six months so I think it's important to if you are doing that and making gains especially as a young athlete for example there's a lot of gains you could be making right now do factor in sort of like little breaks where races would have been maybe it's a time trial something you, t- you taper down into um, and also like I'm taking the approach of more just being fit enough to be ready for that hard phase so I don't think that's a bad thing either mm. um we we probably have a lot of time ahead of us so yeah. just does it feel ready. different not having that pressure of a competition coming around it does honestly mm. yeah it mm. does and I didn't realize that until it was gone you know <laughs> I was like oh there was something pushing me uh, there and I can still I mean I'm obviously still training pretty hard I'm running like 90 miles a week but um 
And I think eventually I will start digging a little deeper. We're just trying to come back slowly. But yeah, it's a lot it's a lot more fire you feel when you're like, I got to race the best women in the U.S. in a mm-hmm. few weeks. Like, get going. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to anyone who is kind of struggling or going through a bit of a slump and like questioning themselves, you kind of just recommend them to, you know, be kind to themselves and like let themselves kind of go through that and then find ways to motivate themselves or like kind of structure some time trials or do some mm-hmm. virtual races yeah, and I think the other hard part was we've had to not meet up with our teams and our groups and our coaches, yeah. and it's hard to do that stuff alone. Yeah. Um, so if you can at least meet one or two other people now, if it's safe to do that, that made a huge difference for me, I know, right? Uh, when I could start doing that. Yeah, so if anyone is struggling out there, listen to Molly Huddles, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have all the answers, but that's what I'm doing right now. So. No, but just realize that even the professionals have to figure out ways to kind of get to keep themselves engaged and, and also maybe even like take the foot off the gas a little bit. Um, so, yeah, be kind to yourselves. Um, <laughs> should we segue over to our previously recorded in, uh, introduction to our guest? Um, so we have Anne Cavassa, the president of Saucony, as our guest today. She was amazing. We recorded this kind of a few weeks ago, so we're going to segue over to myself, Roisin, and Alicia, kind of um, introducing Anne and rehashing the interview for a few minutes. Um, I do, as a note, cut in sort of without context um, on Alicia with a quote that she has kind of about reflecting on her um her position in life as a black woman, a mother, an athlete, and I loved the quote, so I didn't want to cut it out. So it's kind of going to start off um, with that quote, even though it's not to do with what we talk about next. Um, kind of file it under our Woke Wednesday theme with Alicia. So <laughs> here goes. Enjoy. So, yeah, that's a really big part of that. And I just, just if I can just say, you know, I am so tired of being tired. Um, it's been happening for as long as I've been alive and before that, as long as my father has been alive and my mother before that, as long as his and before that. So this Mm -hmm. is not new. Thankful for technology and bringing this to the forefront so people can understand this is, these are not isolated incidences. Um, And I, I just want to say like, you know, for me, the, the layers of oppression, you know, being a black woman mom it is so exhausting to be climbing through that dirt all of the time it brings a whole new meaning to my flower right you know Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. what it is you know flowers you know are come out of dirt and I will you know they don't want us to win this has been my mantra but we gonna win anyway and um I say that every day I said that they don't want us to win but we're gonna win anyway and um and we can look at what winning looks like you know um Mm -hmm. So every day I put one foot in the front of, in front of the other and I tell myself I'm going to win, you know, and I need your guys' help and your support to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and there's so many layers. And so I'm, I'm, that's, I'm just so grateful for Allison's episode coming out and, you know, again, talking about our, our womanhood, that's another black woman, mother, like a lot, you know, our, our women across the board are still, you know, being taken down a rung we have our glass ceiling and i'm you know and i'm happy to just be able to elevate more women um and more moms even and just put being able to see us in positions of leadership is so very important um seeing our faces um in the many different industries is really important and so 
I just really want to say thank you guys for um, allyship and for action in advance. Um, and one of the women that we ended up talking to recently, I am so grateful to put a little bit more pep back in my step, who is a woman, she is a mom, and uh, the president of Saucony, you know, speaking with her about her layers of, you know, uh, of the things that she's had to climb out of does bring um, some joy and excitement to to what's happening right now. And um, yeah, I just, Molly, if you want to take away where we're going to go with this, um, yeah. this next upcoming podcast. Yeah, it was a bright spot in my week too, to talk to Ann Cavassa. She has been the president at Saucony for the last two years. And um, this is probably the best, com the longest conversation I've gotten to have with her. So this was such a treat to have this as kind of like a quote unquote excuse to talk to Ann for an hour. Um, but yeah, what did you ladies think? I really loved her. Um, description of herself is kind of how she start she started in design and kind of meandered her way through um, and was kind of frustrated with the way you know at, at a certain point um, her products that she was making were being held back and so she started, decided to get more into the sort of CEO world the leadership world and um, she's good at it and she had to kind of use some of her scrappiness from her um, that she's always had inside of her to get to where she's at. So it was great to hear her talk about that. Yeah, I loved hearing her story. Like you're saying, seeing faces is, is great. Like we want, we want to see women in, in position. We want to see black women. We want to see black people. We want to see, we want to see more diversity in, in leadership. Mm -hmm. We need to see those faces. And then hearing the story behind it and, and just being able to kind of go with her in her journey as she, very concisely tells their story and we were like slow down tell us the tell us the tell us the nuts and bolts we want the nitty-gritty yeah yeah how yeah. did you get around that one how did you get around yeah. and, and there's so much really... we could have asked her but yeah, yeah. no i think that i'd love to call her back up and like, tell me more about this thing and um, yeah so when you guys hear this podcast you will hear us all very excited we're all chiming in because again yes. we we want to see ourselves there Mm -hmm. um and it's just so incredible to have been able to speak with her yeah. and she's so lovely and bubbly and um you know and smart and yeah it's great and um and we i think you asked her about did she play sports in molly and she kind of really attributes like a lot of her character building to participation in sports and that kind of goes with that research from the ey ernest young research that came out about women it was 92 percent of women in executive positions have played sports as kids so you know she's really kind of example of that as well and and the things like the goal setting the visioning the resilience all of that so you guys should enjoy it and hopefully she's inspires you and yeah she's cool <laughs> really cool she so. is cool so we will yeah. let you listen to our Anne Cavassa interview thanks for keeping track Welcome back to Keeping Track, everyone. This is episode 21, and we have a special guest today, Anne Cavassa, the president of Saucony. Um, Anne has been there since May of 2018, and she came from Brooks before that, and we think she's going to be a great woman to talk to as a leader in the sports industry space. We haven't had too many non-athletes on, and so we're really excited to talk to you, Anne. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I'm super excited to talk with you guys. I'm really passionate about 
our sport and uh, the business that I'm in of footwear and apparel. So um, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. That's so awesome. And I want to kick off if I, if I can, how did you get your like start? How did you end up um, in the position that you are in now? Um, Well, it's been a long journey and it hasn't necessarily been straight. It's definitely been a little windy. Um, Mm -hmm. I I went to college for and got my degree, my bachelor's degree in psychology. And as I was finishing that, I was debating on going on to get my PhD. But I felt like I was way too young to be that serious. And I wanted to go do something that was really exploring the things that I loved a little bit more. Um, And on the creative side, I had been designing and sewing my own clothes and things like that. And so I decided to go to design school. And I ended up, um, after my bachelor's, going and getting a two-year degree in apparel design. And that led to my first job in the industry as an apparel designer. And so I did that for about 12 years um, and kind of moved up from designer to manager to director to leading design. And then I started getting quite frustrated with the um, lack of control over the business and what happens after you let go of your product. So I shifted gears into merchandising, um, and which allows you to take a little bit more control of the business. Um, which then led to taking on marketing, which then led to general management roles. And so um, just slowly over time, it's grown from being a very, very creative position um, to being a little bit more left-right balanced to now leading the overall business. Um, Yeah, so a long journey, but a very fun one, actually. A long journey that you summarized and made it seem like it was just like, yeah, you just bloop, 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 and now I'm the president. <laughs> no big thing. Yeah, no big thing. I, <laughs> one of, one of uh, the big things I'm kind of known for is getting into the nitty gritty like right away. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so, you, you know, like I said, you've made it seem like it was like, even though you said it was a, you know, a winding road, but you still streamlined it to just getting straight to the point. Um, I, I want to know like some of the, harder details from the standpoint of being um, a woman and now in a position of leadership, which is, you know, highly sought after, something that we are all, like most of us, I should say, I can't speak for everyone, striving to do. And we are constantly facing these barriers of climbing the ladder, especially um, as women in many industries. I want to know um, what are some of the, if you can share, uh, yeah. some of the harder um, paths that you faced and if there were are any barriers which I believe there might be some especially being a mom um I want to dive into that too uh you know <laughs> just yeah let us know I want to know yeah. that this way I think like no seeing you as a president um of an apparel company there aren't that many women there are not that many women and world. it's so empowering yeah and I feel so. like not that many people know um about Saucony's president so yeah tell yeah us, tell us any well <laughs> okay well Maybe I can meander a little bit. So um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, I think that my experience is that the, the gender split in our business, the apparel footwear industry, um, particularly in the sports space is about 50, 50 male, female, until you get to a vice president level. Mm. It starts to fall off a little bit as you go from director to senior director. And then at the VP level, it becomes um, very, very dominant male. And so 
Um, and, and then a little bit about me. So I am one of five. I have three older brothers. I was um, a scrappy, athletic, competitive kid. I loved yeah. to like be in there and duke it out. And I, I just loved that, that energy. And so for me, throughout my career, up until a certain point, um, it was really more about my own personal struggles and my own confidence level that I had within myself and um, what I thought I could do versus what I was willing to do and being able to take that risk internally and put myself out there. And so it was really more that internal battle up to a certain point. Um, and like I said, I really enjoyed the kind of the internal competitive um, environment that existed and then also just being on a team and working with a team and things like that. It wasn't until I was at that director level that I started to feel kind of, um, I would say held back a little bit. And mm. if I, when I, when I look back on the individual moments and think through those things, oftentimes it's about vision and that you have a vision of what you want to accomplish or what you see or what you know can be true and those around you aren't supporting it. And it becomes a battle of like selling your point of view and selling what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. And sometimes that battle, you can start to feel it. It just gets too hard. Like, mm -hmm. why is there a brick wall? This should be something that's easy. Why is there a brick wall? So I, I started experiencing that early on. And I, I do think in, in my leadership, career as I moved into a leadership role. And I do think kind of having three older brothers and being spunky and hardworking and like going after it one more time allowed me to break through some of that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there were limitations for sure. I had Absolutely. at one point, I can, I can remember a conversation at one point with one of my bosses where um, he shared with me that he didn't think I could ever lead a sport brand because I'm a woman and I don't understand what competition means. And I was like, what? Can you explain that a little bit more? And it was oh. really about that um, kind of uh, stereotypical masculine energy around competition mm -hmm. that he uh -huh. didn't feel that I could hold as a leader and create followership if I didn't understand that and be able to drive that through a male perspective. Mm -hmm. And I, I just kind of sat there. It was like a huge blow because I thought I had mm -hmm. a really strong partnership with this person. And I just sat there and listened for a moment. And then I was like, wait a minute, you do realize that I'm your most competitive, kind of aggressive, go get it leader on your team, right? Mm -hmm. Like you do mm -hmm. get that. And um, there was just, you know, that was like the first time it was like, wow, there really is like this glass ceiling in certain cases. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes um, you don't even get to experience because you don't get the opportunity to get to that level even, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I reflect on that and it is about the, that, you know, being able to be provided the opportunity mm -hmm. um, to, to lead at a certain level. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and there, there was quite a few, if I look back on it, quite a few instances, you know, where you being told no, you don't really know why you're being told repeatedly and you just go back at it and go back at it and go back at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because everything that you're doing is like, I, this is exactly what Joe is doing, if not more. And that's like, again, you talked about the glass ceiling. Like it looks like I can get there, but all of a sudden I'm like smashing up against this thing. That's not allowing for me to break through. 
Um, and it happens to be, like you mentioned, you know, the, I like to call it the, the toxic masculine energy, you know, because um, it's just, it's, it's just, it's expected that we have the same perspective as each other, male or female. But then when it comes to men dominating a space, it's like we have to have their same perspective and what we bring to the table isn't, isn't uh, valuable. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to let my team yeah, ask some questions. Pretty, yeah, <laughs> here. Um, Keep going. You're okay. <laughs> but I, do, I do have one thing I wanted to say with the barrier. Um, you talked about, you know, him, your, one of the people that you worked with telling you that they'd never would see you in a position of leadership because you weren't competitive. Also with that, with that, um, that drive, do you think there was something about them telling you you're not going to make it that, or you, you're never going to be this, that made you kind of have that ignition to be like, actually, I'm about to blaze this trail. Oh yeah. Yeah. The sure. way. I mean, I, I would say that, um, I'm definitely self-motivated for sure. Um, I, I think, um, so that drives me kind of at my core. Mm -hmm. However, uh, you guys know this when you're, um, like toe in the line with someone head to head, or if someone tells you, you can't do something, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it, there's, there's a real motivator there to say, well, let me just show you that I can, or it just, mm -hmm. it just raises the bar of the challenge a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, um, I, I try to keep it productive, um, mm -hmm. you know, and not let it be a negative thing, but turn yeah. it around and say, okay, how can I, how can I solve this problem from another way? How can I, how can I achieve the goals that I want to achieve with this barrier, move around it, um, approach it in a different perspective and then come back and say, Hey, check this out. <laughs> we actually yeah, did right. accomplish for this. You. Yeah. 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 Having to work 10 times harder. Um, and then you added motherhood to the whole equation. Yeah, for sure. And I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. It, it was tough. Yeah. I mean, um, I, you know, I was at Nike, um, in a leadership role, I was running us retail and I was pushing 40 and, um, my husband and I were trying to have kids and it was really, really, really hard. And, um, I actually went through a lot, um, at that time frame, trying you know, not succeeding, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard, you know, miscarriage, miscarriage, you know, mm -hmm. things like that, that were getting, mm -hmm. you know, that were real, really, really, really painful as it relates to that journey of becoming a mother mm -hmm. and create and building a family, you know, and I did make a decision at that point in time to walk away, um, and just take a break and, um, and let the stress like subside a little bit, put career behind myself and focus on just being healthy from a physical perspective. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then ended up being able to have um, my two kids. So, um, you know, mm -hmm. I, when I layer on the family thing to my journey, it's definitely hasn't been a straight path for sure. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people come into the industry and they have one function and they just go drive it. And I was kind of, um, you know, design and then merchandising and then marketing and then general management and then taking a break and then, you know, trying to figure out how to be a mom and drive a career and, you know, all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, and it's real. I think we all have our journey um, that we have to sort through where there's things that we're balancing and trying to mm -hmm. prioritize and understand when, when you got to focus on one and when the other, when the reality of it is you're kind of doing all of it one time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So motherhood has definitely, 
added this layer of complexity that makes it very, very challenging. And because I was a little bit older mom, I almost think it was easier for me in one way because I can balance my schedule a little bit better than those that are early on in their career. Mm -hmm. That have, you know, many layers above them who are defining their work hours and when they have mm -hmm. to be and what, you know, I have a little bit more flexibility that way. I think about it a lot about moms who are a little bit earlier in their career where they're trying they really have to answer to a lot of different things and also their children. And it's, it's challenging for sure. It's so important for you to share that part. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Moms are jumping in. <laughs> no, oh my God. Like 10 questions right now. Yeah. No, um, but just even on that, like with you kind of saying the younger, younger people in the industry, like it's hard. You can see that it'd be harder for them to manage motherhood. Um, is that a reason why you waited or is that too personal? Was that like your career kind of a reason to kind of hold off a little bit longer? Nope. Nope. No. I didn't make a decision to hold off. It was really about when I met my husband, um, uh, okay. you know, and what, what I was going on in my life. Um, sure. I really, I would say in my mid twenties to my mid thirties, I was actually prioritizing running and my, my, oh, the nice. things I was doing. So, yeah. um, yeah that's where my head was at. But, you know, kind of before jumping off the motherhood thing, I think right now, like in, in this COVID-19 crisis, and um, I think it almost makes it, I know it isn't, it isn't almost, it makes it that much harder to be a working mom um, because you're now having the needs of your kids, whether, whether they're in a, at a younger you know, prior to preschool or even, you know, kindergarten, whether they're just at, you know, at home and they require that much attention and you need to give them thoughtful, meaningful time, right? Uh -huh. Or they're a little bit older and they're in school and normally they have the stimulation from teachers and from their social situation and all of that. And now suddenly you're also a um, homeschooling mom and, you know, Teaching is no joke, right? Like it's uh, a legitimate yeah. skill. Yeah. Uh -huh. so, yes. Yes. Um, so you have all of that, um, and then you're also trying to balance your work, and um, you know it's challenging. And I'm super fortunate. I have a very, very active, engaged husband in my kid's life, and he's, um, you know, all, I would say we're we're really we really help each other out on that front, but. Um, I do think it's hard, like there's a perception that you have to do it all and you have to be your best at all of it at all the time, uh -huh. all the times, and that people aren't aware, you know, there might not be empathy or understanding for that outside of these Zoom calls, like what's happening behind us right now, like nobody <laughs> let each other see, right? And the reality of it is I try to, um, from a leadership perspective, I think one of especially coming into this Saucony role, realizing that I can lead the way that I think people want and need. And that is to be more empathetic of everyone's entire life and uh -huh. what they have going on and give mm -hmm. space for that and grace for things that aren't perfect. And, you know, you know, just recognize that. And so, you know, that's the environment myself and our leadership team are trying to create at Saucony is just one that embraces the whole person and allows you to be, live your life. Like, right. Uh -huh. like there has to be, there has to be room for that. And uh -huh. that's, that's something you really um, walked the walk with at Saucony. I've noticed in the last 
two years since you've been there. I, um, you've, you've actually helped change the language regarding maternity in athlete contracts if they've requested it. And that's a conversation I've kind of like tentatively broached for many years at the company and it didn't really get traction until you got there and until Alicia started the whole <laughs> movement. But I, I think that was a great, amazing. Yeah, it was a great example of, um, you know, really t looking at the athlete in a holistic way and trying yeah. to um, allow them to be humans and happy people and people with families and still compete and not have that fear or to have that little bit of security there. So I think that's um, something you definitely bring to the table as a mom and as a female in the running leadership space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do recognize that it's, it's kind of unusual. Um, in, in the sport, the field of sports marketing, let's say, to think about the whole person, the whole, you know, the athlete as a whole person. Mm -hmm. And I just firmly believe that, um, you know, running, I'll just speak to running, you know, it, it, I, I, our purpose statement at Saucony is we empower the human spirit with every stride on every run and in every community. And um, I just firmly believe that running um uh it just it just improves people's lives yeah. it allows you to be more connected to yourself it's almost spiritual in a certain way right of allowing you to be your best self and share that with others and the community um that that creates and so when i think about what running means for an athlete who's so gifted to be able to drive that as their profession oh that would, that would be a dream, but right mm -hmm. to drive that as your profession. Um, it isn't just the run. It isn't just that it's everything that running brings and everything mm -hmm. that you are. And so I feel, um, you know, Saucony, we're a small brand, right? We can't compete with the really, really big brands as it relates to kind of a sports marketing program, but we can be real people who can engage with athletes and you guys in a way that allows you to bring your whole self to everything and not just be expected to deliver, 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 deliver. And uh -huh. so... And then you layer on being a female athlete and just the inequities in that. And uh -huh. um, if I can be a leader who can allow, who can make, um, create space and um, design our programs to support you guys in your whole life and becoming moms and help you see through that to the other side. I mean, that's my responsibility, right? Like that's what I can do as a leader to make change in our industry. Um, and so it was an easy, yes, like, you know, and shame on us for not having that beforehand kind of thing. You know, I think mm -hmm. sometimes, and, um, things just, I was asking questions about that actually at the time that we were looking at it and, um, you know, sometimes things just just repeat themselves over and over because no one stops to ask the question and guess what yep. stop to ask the question yeah and so um if we take the time to do that i think we might find a different answer on a lot of things that's mm -hmm. right and sometimes it's like not enough people ask the question you know like even maybe one person feels sheepish about it i think there's something really interesting that just kind of like touched on it's just about like the expectation that maybe i'm the only one that thinks this you know, or I'm the only one that thinks I, is this an opportunity? Can I also be a mom and be in, in a, this career track? Do I, can I, do I have to pick athlete or do I, or, or mom? Like, can I do both? And it seems like my world should be able to intertwine to me, but it's like other people making the choice for you. 
Um, and I really thank you for that. I really thank you for just uh, honestly, like your life, you know, being here on our podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting mm -hmm. to say that, but it's true. You know, the visibility, being able to see you in this position really means so much to me. It means it, it will mean a lot to my daughter when she gets it because she's going to see your face and it's just going to be normal. You know, mm -hmm. she's going to see, oh, you know, right, right now you're behind the scenes, everybody, you know, and this is who is the president of Saucony. You know, oh yeah, this is normal. There's a woman in the leadership position. Oh yeah, she has two kids. Why is this a thing? Why are we talking about this? Mm -hmm. You know, it's normal. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need. We need that visibility. We need that perspective and we need you at the table. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That mean that it does mean a lot. And I, you know, I, there's, I would encourage people, there was some point. So I grew up in an era where it was definitely kind of predominantly male leadership and kind of old school thinking in our, in our industry. And, um, you know, I'm, and the millennial generation behind is, has grown up with moms who have worked, right? Um, and so there's a little bit more of a fresh perspective, um, although I don't think we're 100% there. I think there's a little bit more of a fresh perspective. And so like one of the things that hopefully it's not this case for you know a younger generation, but I know for me personally, there was a point in time in my kind of leadership journey where I just felt more comfortable being myself. And I realized that I can't really compete with the male leadership around me trying to be a dude and a guy. I actually mm -hmm. have to do it being me and that mm -hmm. my strengths, some of them are inherent to us as women that are unique when you're sitting at a table of 10, you know, male <laughs> vice presidents and yourself, you know, they, they're, they aren't necessarily unique to me. It's just being a woman. Right. But when you lean in on those things that are your strengths, suddenly they become real, real advantageous for you and are real differentiators. So I, I did, there was that point in time where my confidence levels shifted to, to really leaning in on what my unique strengths were. And mm -hmm. I would absolutely encourage everybody to do that and embrace that early on, like mm -hmm. as early, I wish I would have done it sooner. Um, but yeah. um, I do think that they're like, everybody has them and they're real and that's how you can actually stand out from the crowd in what you're trying to accomplish um is if you if you really let your best self come through and and you know everything from personality and beliefs and you know like right now i think values are incredible your just your personal values are incredibly important mm -hmm. um you know, to bring forward from a leadership perspective. And, and, um, I think those happen to being a good person matters. And so, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I think leaning in on those and trying to, um, act on those in those moments where you go, well, maybe I shouldn't do that, but really you do need to act on those because then you can be true to yourself. Um, mm -hmm. also. Yeah. And I'm curious about that transition from like, the, is it kind of sounds like, like kind of striving to be somebody maybe you're not, or like, Oh, I have to be like them. Um, and yet, like, that's actually, like, taken away some of your own strength and power as you do that. But how did you, how did you make, have that realization or awaken to that fact that actually, if I'm more myself, there is my strength, there is my brilliance, there is my creativity. How, was, there, was there a process around that? Was that? Um, well, I don't know if it was deliberate. Um, I will say that I, 
um, through my career, I would say, I really leaned in on the things that were my strengths that worked with the rest of the group, mm -hmm. right? With those around me. And I didn't necessarily, and, and you just kind of hone those and drive those because they're, they're you know, they're working, right? Mm -hmm. um, um, but I would sit around the table and listen to people around me and, and think that I, as I started kind of um, going from a manager level to a director level to a senior director to a vice president, you kind of expect there to be brilliance around you. Like as you go up and that, wow, these people got here for a reason. Oh my gosh, they're brilliant. And as you start listening, you just like, okay, they're just everyday normal people. And so as I kind of gained my voice, I, I did just gain my voice over time, knowing that I, I do have, I'm pretty opinionated, like I have a strong point of view. Um, and and um, I am kind of, I, I have that competitive drive and I want to succeed, right? Like uh -huh. you want to drive something. So I've I've um, have been willing to kind of stick my neck out there and say, you know, a couple of times uh, just over time. Right. And so I okay. think as you do that with the audience around you and you realize you're listening and you realize like, no, this is a great idea. I'm going to mm -hmm. push on this. Like I believe mm -hmm. in this and I know that we can do this, you know, and, and sometimes it's about um, followership and just getting everybody aligned to succeed at something, it almost doesn't even matter what the idea is. If you can uh -huh. get people uh, to support you and uh -huh. to help help drive that, um, then you can you can carry it to success. It's when uh -huh. people don't support it and quietly undermine it, and you know mm -hmm. that that there will be no success, right? I'm gonna make an Olympic team. Ha ha. Yeah. You're weird. That's too hard. I would imagine, right? <laughs> you need the support around you to encourage you to provide a full a situation for you to train in and recover in and be mentally strong in, right? To, mm -hmm. to create Absolutely. your best athlete. And I had a question. You mentioned um, kind of you were like a scrappy kid and you're really into running. Um, how did sports kind of, or it, do you think sports helped give you the confidence to like learn how to be a good leader and work with people and have team building skills? Like, do you see how those connected or, um, do you hundred think... <laughs> percent? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh -huh. And my husband and I actually talk about it a lot. Um, he was a competitive swimmer and, um, we just talk about the value of sport in kids' lives. Um, as it relates to kind of building confidence, getting to know who you are, setting goals, building plans to achieve those, and, you know, everything that comes with, whether it's an individual sport or a team sport. And um, I grew up, um, I grew up as um, early on, I started running with my dad when I was probably like eight or nine years old. He would just go out for a casual jog, you know, like nothing big. Um, but I would tag along with him. And so I had a love of running really early on. But um, I started playing softball in the third grade and played softball and soccer and volleyball and was kind of a team sport kid. And then um, in high school, um, we moved and my softball went from fast pitch where I could steal bases and lead off and um, do those fun things to slow pitch in the new town that I went to, which was kind of boring. 
So my volleyball coach recommended that I go into track and field instead of softball so I could be better at volleyball. And so I'm like, okay, that's kind of boring. I'm going to make the switch. So I made the <laughs> switch to track. And I was, you know, I was like the A minus, the A minus runner, right? I was, I was good enough to be, to be, you know, to win a couple races, but I wasn't really good enough to compete. So, um, but I, but it kind of just, I loved, I love, I'm, I'm, I love to run like running's in my blood. I define myself as a runner for sure. And, um, and my fast, I, I ran, I probably should have been running longer distances, but in high school I ran the 400 meters, 200 meters and the hurdles. And I made it to state. I was in Washington state. I made it to state in the 400s and 400 meters and then just got crushed. So, I mean, it was bad. <laughs> Can we ask what your PR was for the 400? Yeah, yeah, it was fifty-eight flat. Hey, but they only ran that twice. I only moved you twice. up to the eight hundred there. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of averaged around, you know, fifty-nine and a half to sixty. I somehow had a couple of really, really strong races in there, but um, uh, I knew that I would spend the majority of my time in the weight room if I ran in college, and so I didn't run in college. And, um, it's, it is, I don't know. Sometimes I go back and forth of, of regretting it versus not it. What I regret is not having that experience of being an athlete in college, because mm -hmm. I do think there's something that's just, it just brings so much to your life, um, sport and competing and continuing to like hone yourself as an athlete. And so in my twenties, um, I started running again and I just got the marathon bug. And so, um, I started running and training and doing longer distances and, um, running marathons. And then I started getting into triathlons and then I started doing tries and then I started doing adventure races. And, um, so that 10 year stuff. period, that 10 year period, I was just kind of exploring what I could do from an endurance perspective. Um, and I never really, I put in the time, but I didn't really do the speed stuff. So like my fastest marathon was 338 or excuse me, 339. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I always wanted to break 330. I didn't, you know, things like that. So, mm -hmm. um, but I do think that a couple of things. I think that sport allows you to understand kind of who you are at your core and where, where you can push your boundaries. And I think it allows you, I mean, you know, that, that, that mentality of setting a goal and a plan to achieve it and all the positive affirmations to do that and visualizing and seeing yourself, you know, in the place mm -hmm. that you want to be, um, that is valuable. That is incredibly uh -huh. valuable in life in general. Um, and I call it the athlete mindset. And um, like right now, I'm even talking about it with our team right now through COVID-19. And, you know, Saucony came into 2020 with some momentum. We have really strong product pipeline right now. Lots of fun buzz going on. Great things happening with our athletes. High visibil visibility. Um, and it's just really fun. And it was supposed to be a year of momentum for the brand and you know COVID-19 hit and lots of disappointments across the board but like immediately we like shifted gears and we said okay how do we succeed in this environment what do we focus on laser focus what do I have to accomplish 
in this current environment, it's changed, you know, just like an injury or a new, a new competitor or a change in a course or like things like that. Like you have Mm -hmm. to like lock yourself into what's happening right now, right in front of you. And what are those steps to get through it? And I don't think, I, I often think like athletes are the best problem solvers. Like you just know how to figure it out and you use your own skills. Um, and then mm-hmm. team sports, you know, allow you to figure out how, you know, everybody's good at different things. And so if you can really truly leverage everyone's like best strengths, and then how do you, how do you do that in harmony with each other? You know, how do you do that synchronized across a broader group of people? That's how you make tremendous progress. Mm-hmm. And so I absolutely think, um, you know, being an athlete, you know, and, you know, I didn't compete at a, at a high level. So I don't think you have to be a professional athlete to have that mindset. I think what you really do is need to know how to like put in the hard work and recognize where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, what you need to do to overcome and get to the next level. I mean, that's, that's life, right? That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, hear you, I hear you talk a lot about like um, being resilient though as well, that you took a knock or you I took a no or you took a loss or you took a, you know, all these things that you learn in sports a lot and that you're able to apply that piece of it too. That just like, I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep finding a new way. It like, forces that creativity and strength and that's absolutely is like so cruel at doing <laughs> it, I, I do think there's a certain resilience for sure um i had a, a friend of a, a mentor of mine who hired me i just adore this man his, his name is mark mark bryden and he was the ceo of smart wool we actually met on a 350 mile bike ride from um, colorado to salt lake which was really fun but um he, after that, after that meeting him on a, on a bike ride, um, he had a position available on his team and I was going for it and he was getting a reference on me. And, um, my old boss said, well, um, something about Anna, she just keeps, keeps coming back. She won't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. And if you see the vein in her forehead start to bulge, it means she's really serious. So, <laughs> but, but there is like this level of resilience and, um, there's that book out that's called grit right now. Um, buzzing around the business world. And I, I laugh at it because it's like, yeah, if you like grit like that, I think if you have to work hard for success, some people are just incredibly, incredibly talented. Um, and, and things seem to be a little bit easier, but you guys know, even when you're incredibly talented as you are, it's still, you work really, really hard Uh to compete, right. With the best of the best. Um, and so I think that you have to have a certain grit and a certain resilience and a certain like um, self-motivation to come back for more. You kind of got to love the journey and love the, mm-hmm. the you know, the competition in it to, to really um, um, achieve the things you want to achieve because people are really talented, you know, mm-hmm. and really good. <laughs> there are a lot of people with talent, but you can definitely outwork it for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For sure. For sure. I, yeah, I think when you have both of those things, when you have talent and, and that work ethic, man, it's like unstoppable. Right. And and team sports are great for like learning those relationships, but I kind of think there's something special about the niche sports and distance running and track where you just like develop this agency because you're on your own a lot and you're just like, I'm going to figure out how to do things. 
Like I'll just work mm -hmm. around them and you just take mm -hmm. them with you. I've noticed I've taken that with me to a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. um, the world's not as simple as track, but you do take those. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I think like there's this entrepreneurial nature, right? In a, in a individual sport and you kind of got to sure. figure it out on your own. And I, I think that is, um, uh, uh, another advantage for, for those in, in the running space for sure, for, for runners and athletes. Yep. And you have so much knowledge of, and just by, you know, your example of the way that you've lived your life and where you've got to, I'm wondering, like, are there any youth programs that you, um, Saucony is doing or that you'd recommend kind of putting some of our younger athletes in this, you know, the, the space of visibility towards leadership or, you know, um, I think personally, I really feel like it sounds like you're saying, Hey, get them involved in youth sports. That's like a great way <laughs> to be, uh, see that space of, you know, learning more about themselves and putting, you know, themselves in the space to be available to climb towards a space of leadership. Um, what would you say to like a younger or parents? to younger, um, to children? Um, I would definitely, um, in, you know, incur every, every child's different. So, you know, I'm figuring this out with my own kids. I have, my son is incredibly athletic and, um, very, very, very competitive. And my daughter is very strong, but I wouldn't say is competitive in any way. So she kind of shies away a little bit, um, from, from that environment. And so I think as it relates to kids, you know, you want to encourage what's true to them for sure and help them steer them in the direction um, that they can uh, explore their own strengths and develop yeah. that. And by no means am I an expert. I'm learning this as we go. Like, I really wish my kids were um, like my kids currently aren't in any sport programs where we just throw them in and they thrive. My son, while he's super competitive, he's also kind of um, shy to things that are new. And so he doesn't, we just moved across country. And so he doesn't want to throw himself into a new team sport because he's like shy. And I'm like, Max, come on, you love this. You love this, right? So totally. I certainly don't, I certainly don't have the playbook on that, but I, I do believe um, it helps build like your self-identity and your confidence and, um, and when you start to gain skills and then you move into new environments and you can just expand those or people can recognize those in you and it just, it, it, it helps build self-confidence. And I think it's incredibly important for girls, boys too, like for everyone, but for girls also to realize their own strengths and whether they're physical and or not, like just that they are equal to. And even though my daughter isn't a, like a competitor, like she's not in there. If you make any sort of intimation that my son is, could be better at something faster or this or that or the other, she's like right in there saying, Hey, no way. Watch this. You know? So I think, competitive. <laughs> I yeah, love it. Like, yes. That brand that, like, a lot like me growing up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that spirit of like helping them nurture what's, what's they're good at so that they can develop that self-confidence. I think is really important, you know, especially, and there's all this research, you guys know, there's all this research about girls when they develop and they come into, you know, young, you know, young womanhood, like that time frame from maybe 10 to 15, 16 is so critical for them to find themselves and have their own strength. And so 
you know, one of the things I think about a lot, I am super, you know, I wish there was more time in, a, in the day to do more things. But one of the things that I have found recently is, and you guys, you know, I know Molly, you spent a lot of time on this actually, is like the ability to spend time with young girls and talk to them and help them see um, where they can go or what can be done and just that mentorship. I, I find um, informally and formally is just tremendous. Um, you yeah. know, I had a woman on our team who's probably um, in her late 20s, I would say, stop me in a meeting once at the end of a meeting and say, hey, how, when did you find your voice? I wish I could do that. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's so many people I think that think that way. Um, and so I think mentoring and sharing our experiences and helping people find their strengths or just even giving them confidence that they should lean into their strengths is, is important. We thank you so much just for sharing so much of your story. Obviously the purpose of this podcast is to elevate women in sports and, you know, we don't get enough coverage and we, want to know, you shared a lot with us, but we want to know like what other parts of your story do you feel like is important to share? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, um, I, I really firmly believe that in today's world, like we're kind of expected to do it all. And that when you're successful and competitive and, have lots of dreams, like you expect yourself to do it all. Yeah. And um, I, I think we have to give ourselves grace to not be perfect <laughs> and, um, and to know that it's a balancing act for sure. And sometimes it's really hard to do everything really well at one time. And so, um, you know, these are, advice I have to take for myself even is just being true to who you are and making sure that you spend the time on the things that are important to you, not just what you think is important to other people. Um, mm -hmm. and, and finding that balance for yourself so that it fills you up, not just what you're supposed to be doing. And that is so easy, more easily said than done. I mean, especially when you have kids and you're balancing family and other people's priorities and needs, but um, I do think it's incredibly important that when you look back at time, whether it's a month or a year or a few years or what have you, that there's a sense of um, self-fulfillment in all of that, mm. you know, and that you're doing it for the things that motivate you, not just because you're on autopilot. So mm -hmm. I, I think being deliberate, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily deliberate things on certain things I was and in other things I wasn't. So I, I definitely think, you know, being as deliberate as possible in the decisions you make and knowing that you're actually closing one door to open another one. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's really important. And just that it's the one that you want to open and move into. Mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And, and yeah, if we could all kind that. of take that <laughs> note from you, I think we would all feel less inclined to just do, 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 and never take a second to look back and be, you know, enjoy the things that we've done. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for sure. that. And I think for, I think for you guys and your audience, probably, I mean, you guys are incredible women and athletes and people and 
um, you are role models to a lot of individuals. I mean, I've seen young girls wear Molly t-shirts a lot <laughs> in, in, you know, in the circles that I run in. And so um, I think that recognizing that, right. And, and the role that you play in, in, in um, inspiring people it is incredible. And I mean, this podcast and just being able to share that is also incredible. So, um, you know, you're a huge inspiration to me. Thanks for, for doing this and sharing yourselves too with everyone. It's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for giving us this hour. We love hearing from this side of the running industry. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to be interested interested and we just want a lot more people to know about you and um just be able to see your journey and what you're doing and what you bring to the table so thank you so much um, thank you very much thank really you thanks for thank keeping you track Anna. with us all right thank you. thank you you too as well thank Keep you the great work thank you you too bye, bye. bye. thanks Major shout outs to What Cheer Writers Club Podcasting Studio, a nonprofit supporting Rhode Island's content creators and where Roshin and I record, and to Rudy Nakashima for our funky outro song. Thanks, guys. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.